We are back for a brand new episode of Disclosure. It is a talk radio show from the good people at The Voice of Prophecy. My name is Sean Boonstra. I am in studio with my wife, Jean Boonstra, who looks like she's wearing exactly the same thing she did in our last episode, but with a different coat. Well, that's exactly what I did, because, you know, it's a whole totally different day from our last episode. No, here's the truth. Here's the truth. <laughs> we recorded these on the same day. I did exactly yeah. the same thing. You notice you I'm did. wearing exactly the same thing, but I changed my coat. Yeah, we're really efficient at this. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a miracle that we're allowed on the radio at all. I just think about that. Really? They're going to turn on the mic and let me say what I want to say. Mm-hmm. And it could go anywhere. Every week. It you know what we were thinking about this morning? It's not our topic today is going to sort of pick up where we left off last time. But mm-hmm. um, I was thinking about Mr. Dressup. Do you know who Mr. Dressup is? Of course. Yeah. Grew up with him in Canada. Our American audience has no idea who Mr. Dressup is. Mr. Dressup was the Canadian Mr. Rogers. Right. And Ernie Coombs I, was his name. Ernie Coombs. Mm-hmm. That's right. We met him yeah. in an airport by accident yeah. once. I, I think, think in the Chicago airport, yeah, we're sitting in a gate, and there's O'Hare. Mr. Dressup. He's know, sitting across so cool. the, oh, it's Mr. Dressup. I might have been 40-something, but, <laughs> oh, it's Mr. Dressup. And I, now, um, I know that a lot of Americans are like, who is Mr. Dressup? Mm-hmm. He's the Canadian Mr. Rogers. And I know you love Mr. Rogers down here. I know mm-hmm. you love Mr. Rogers, and I am a proud American today. I'm an American citizen, but I've got to say... Mr. Dressup, far superior, far superior. Remember, he had the puppets, and, and they were better puppets. They were better puppets Case, than Mr. Remember Rogers. Remember the Casey and Finnegan were the puppets, yeah. the, Canadians, the boy and the dog? Yeah. yeah. Americans have a bigger army. Canadians have better puppets. <laughs> well, and this, Mr. Dressup would cook, and he would draw. He was an Ernie Coombs. Was I don't an remember him artist. cooking. No, no, he would draw his stories. Yes. He was and a do you remember? Artist. Do you remember what was on the wall? The owl, wise yeah. old owl. Twit woo. No, you think How about that. Well, know, he would it's teach. In my brain somewhere. You know, now that I'm thinking back, it was plain crazy. A little bit. Or spiritualistic. He would talk to the painting, and it would wake up and talk to him. <laughs> well, it was a kid. Well, show. it did come from the '60s. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, late, late '60s. I think <laughs> that is not the topic of our program no. today. It Although childhood does play into what we're talking about. Last time you and I got together in this studio, you know. A week ago. Right. No, it wasn't a week ago. <laughs> an hour ago. Here's the magic of radio. It was an hour ago. Uh-huh. Uh, but it seems to you, the listening audience, like it's been a week. Mm-hmm. We were talking about what people call empty nest syndrome. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think last week I pointed out that that's a relatively new syndrome. It didn't really happen 100 years ago uh, because we were getting married young, dying much younger, and having much larger families. Right. And so the average uh, parent died often before the youngest child even left home right, we were right. looking at. So mm-hmm. I think the example we used was a woman who was married in uh, 1900. Mm-hmm. So she was born in the 1880s somewhere because people often got married at 18 or so in those days, 18 or 20. Mm-hmm. Um, or would younger. Yeah, she'd be a widow by 60. Mm-hmm. So by 1960, she's a widow. The husband is gone. He's dead because we statistically die younger. Uh, and she'd be gone by 64. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't enough time for the youngest to leave home. If you had a, a family with eight, nine, ten kids, which was not unheard of in those days. No, very common. Right? Yeah, your youngest child would have still be at home when you died. Right. Um, and, and so the, there was no empty nest. And the larger family would have stayed close by, whereas we tend to move far right. away from our, our parents now. 
so those older kids who had left the home were still probably close and very right. much a part of the li- day-to-day life of the family. Well, that, that's also, I think, why retirement was set at 65 once upon a time, because mm-hmm. not a lot of people made it very far past that yeah, once upon true. a time. Right. Uh, and now people are making it well into their 80s. Life expectancy is more than a decade later than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so pension funds and things are running into trouble, and they're starting to move that retirement age up. Things have changed. Mm-hmm. So now we look forward to retirement. Here's another interesting observation. I don't find retirement anywhere in the Bible. No, There is no retirement true. anywhere. In the, you don't true. find, I mean, you do see examples like where Nebuchadnezzar says, now he's at rest in his palace after all of his accomplishments. So maybe sure. the Babylonians had, <laughs> uh, had retirement. But I don't see God's people having retirement. They sort of work until they're on their deathbed, and then they get a couple of weeks of retirement, and then they're gone. Well, you think about um, the incredible tasks God had for people later in life. You know, um, Moses, 80 80 years old. 80. Um, You think about Abraham and Sarah having Isaac when they're right around 100. Um, So, yeah, it's just different. Can you imagine having a new baby like 20 years from now? Oh, I can't imagine having a new baby now. No. That would be exhausting. No, but that kind of ties into (laughs) what we're talking about, right? Yes. No, I don't think I could handle it either. I think there's a good reason that you have little babies in the house when you're in your 20s or 30s because uh, you're not quite as cranky for missing sleep and things like that. (laughs) And you're way more patient probably. Well, you just have the physical reserves to get through. Although you've pointed out that as I get older, I'm getting more mellow. Maybe I would have more patience now. You know, I think it's interesting. Um, father, you can be a father much later in life. Obviously, there are physical limitations for women, but men who have None kids... for men. <laughs> yeah. Men who have kids later in life, I think they definitely have a very different relationship with those kids than maybe if they had kids when they were younger and when they were older. I think the dynamics are totally different. See, I'm not sure if we had a new child now that I'd actually be aggressive enough to be a good dad. You'd be a different kind of a dad, uh, for I, sure. I really think that, yeah, there, there's. Mm-hmm. I saw some counsel from a wise Christian author back in Oh, she was writing in the 1800s. She said, I'm observing that grandparents don't... Now, this is a generalization. You may be a grandparent raising a child doing a wonderful job, so I'm just generalizing. But she made this observation that it doesn't often work out well because you're almost a little too docile. You're almost a little too mellow. And so you're not applying discipline as often as perhaps you should. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But again, what we did in the last program, if you were tuned in last week, Uh, Great. You know exactly what we're about to do. And if you weren't here last week, well, where were you? (laughs) Well, you can always watch online at DisclosureRadio.com. You can go to to DisclosureRadio.com and you can watch last week's program. There you go. Gene and I are coming up on this stage of life where our kids have pretty much left home. One is away at college, the other's in boarding academy, and we've got a lot more empty house than we used to. And so we're moving into the empty nest syndrome or the empty nest phase of our life, I should say. And we were discussing empty nest syndrome. Right. That syndrome is new. It didn't exist 100 years ago, but um, and everything's a syndrome these days. Maybe we should use a different word because absolutely everything's a syndrome. When you watch uh, pharmaceutical commercials on television, right. everything's a disease now. Everything's yeah, a disease. Do you stumble from clumsy syndrome? You know, no, I, I, I just am clumsy. It's not a syndrome. I'm just clumsy. Um, but empty nest, the empty nest phase of life is a period of grief for a lot of people. And mm-hmm. what Gene and I did is we wrote down our thoughts on hitting this phase of life uh, and didn't discuss them with each other ahead of time and came in the studio to, uh, to talk about it. And it was ladies first. Mm-hmm. Gene talked about it last week. And I think this week I'm going to talk about it a little bit. And then the other thing we're going to do is go to our Bibles 
and maybe find some solutions for coping with this. Sounds good. Right? Mm -hmm. Now, if you're listening to this thinking, good grief, my kids are three, I can't relate to this. Trust me, this phase of life is coming so much faster than you think it is. Absolutely. Yeah, last week Mm -hmm. you discussed what your mom used to say, the days are long when you've got little kids. Mm -hmm. The years are short. The years are short. Mm -hmm. It's going to go by, bang, just like that. It really does. And, And we talked a little bit about this last time, which is, You know, having this information when your kids are young and you're in an earlier phase of life, it might, you might not apply it. Obviously, it may not make sense, but tuck it in the back of your mind because this will be helpful when you do get to this place and you can recall it. And it will help you have maybe a little bit of perspective um, on what you're going through when you do hit this stage. Parent toward that moment. Right. Right. Your kids aren't with you forever. They're on loan from God. They're going to go. So parent to that moment. You brought that up the other day as how useful it was to look down the road and prepare for independence from Mm -hmm. the very youngest years. Our daughters were able to fly on their own at the age of eight. Mm -hmm. They could just go on a trip on their own and not be afraid because we were parenting toward independence, which is your job. These aren't your children. They're on loan from God. So, all right. Here, here. Here are the issues that I have jotted down. You you discussed a number of them last time from, okay. you know, the mother struggles. Am I a mom? Am I not a mom now? Am I clinging to the past? Should I cling to the past? Should I step out into the future? Here are some of the things that I wrote down that I think are issues that parents go through when their kids leave home and why maybe there's some grieving that goes hand in hand with it. Um, and, uh, and I want you to see if you think I got any of these correct if, or if I'm way off base, because when it comes to, you know, touchy feely stuff, I'm probably <laughs> the last in our house. I'm probably no. the last in our house to clue in. Don't you think? Not always. Unless no. I'm you're wounded, so unless my feelings surprised. are wounded. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're a pastor. You've also experienced this through individuals that you've worked sure. with over the years. Yeah. But yeah. I'm always the last to get the touchy feely things. Yeah, well, Except generally. if we're watching Little House on the Prairie. You can admit it. I admitted on it on air the air. That yes. You love Little House I on like the Prairie. Little House on the Prairie. There's a <laughs> station here where it airs early in the morning, and I, I'm not going to say I've ever been late for work because of an episode of Little House on the Prairie, nope. but yeah, I've watched it. And no, I've never cried during an episode. Ever. No, nope. no. Never, never. Except never that one. It, all right, no. all right. Except that one <laughs> that the kids saw it. Pa made a shoe, a special shoe for a little girl who had a short oh, yeah. leg. And then and when she, she's running in She a could circle. run the bases. Oh. She could run the bases and play baseball with the other children. It was just so dusty in the room at yeah, that point. Yeah, real dusty. Yeah. yeah. That Dad, gets, that gets Dad are your time. eyes watering up? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's because you've mellowed. See, yeah, because right. I've mellowed. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was last week's discussion. Sean is <laughs> mellowed in his old age. I think a lot of guys do. All right. First few are fear-based. I see the brakes already coming up. So let's get started. Okay. Here's, I've got five things that okay. I've identified as issues. Number one, the fear that you are no longer needed. Mm, that's real. Yeah. Definitely. You become so used to, especially for women, I think. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm going to get letters. You're a sexist. You haven't been liberated. But but I think this is just biologically true. And You're not a sexist. No, well, I write, live with you. Yeah. No, write your complaint <laughs> letters to Box 999 you know, and, and address them to Gene. Um, you've become so used to having people utterly dependent on you that I think you develop a dependency on that feeling. Mm. 
you're addicted to being needed. Yeah. I mean, we all want to be useful. We all, yes. all want our lives to mean something. But you wrap up your meaning in those kids and you get addicted to that. Well, yes, because it's the same thing we can do in our work life, isn't it? We get addicted to that busyness and that feeling meaningful through our work. And the same can be true with our with our kids. Yep. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, addicted to addicted to the feeling. I think this may be more true for you than it is for me. And oh, I, We're speaking in broad sure. generalities, but really, men tend to be not as nurturing as women. You go into the animal kingdom and we actually kill and eat our young. Wow. Yeah, I had pet <laughs> rabbits and I didn't understand you're not supposed to have them in a cage. I am not about to kill and eat our young. No. There's been the odd day where, you know, there's nothing in the fridge. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I would not kill and eat our <laughs> no, young. Of course not. But men generally, we like to protect. We love mm-hmm. doing that. We like to teach. I like to dispense wisdom to my children. Yes, when our daughter do. left home, I wrote her like a six-page letter. All right, you're on your own now. But if I were you, I would do this. And we like to launch people toward a successful future. Men really, that's a nurturing aspect of men. I want to launch you and make you independent. Right. 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 Make a man out of you, even though you're my daughter. (laughs) (laughs) Make a strong, independent woman out of your daughter. No, that's exactly right. Um, So I'm not sure that guys find this idea of having someone utterly dependent on us quite as meaningful as women do. We want to push towards independence. Um, So I think women probably mourn more Mm -hmm. when the kids go. Mm-hmm. We discussed this last time. I, I jotted down here. Men tend to identify themselves with their careers. Mm-hmm. We always answer to the question, what are you? And mm-hmm. we, and when I, a guy is asked, what are you? What do you do? You seldom start with father. Right. You start with career. Mm-hmm. So when we get fired, we go into mourning. We really do. We don't know what we are. Um, and I suspect, just by observing you, that once you've been a mom, you so completely identify that, that role that you might find yourself struggling for meaning mm-hmm. uh, once that role is over. Mm-hmm. Um, not that it's ever over, but you, you just what I've what I've grappled with is just what that role looks like and how I redefine that in this stage. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, not that I don't feel it that they're gone, but I think it's been tougher for you than it has been for oh, me. Oh, I would because, say absolutely. Yeah, we push kids mm-hmm. out of the nest. I hear the music. We're going to have to stop, but let's let's come back to that thought. Men push kids out of the nest. That's our role. You're listening to Disclosure. Our topic is empty nest syndrome. We'll be back in a minute. searching for answers to life's toughest questions? Like, where is God when we suffer? Can I find real happiness? Or is there any hope for our chaotic world? The Discover Bible Guides will help you find the answers that you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or give us a call at 888-456-7933 for your free Discover Bible Guides. Study online on our secure website or have the free guides mailed right to your home. There is never a cost or obligation. The Discover Bible Guides are our free gift to you. Find answers in guides like, Does My Life Really Matter to God? and A Second Chance at Life. You'll find answers to the things that matter the most to you. Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions. And we're back from the break. We are talking about empty nest syndrome. Jean, my wife, and me, the husband, are sitting in studio discussing the fact that our kids are pretty much left. They're gone. Mm-hmm. They've left home. And one has has successfully launched. The other one is is almost. Well, we there. don't know yet. Let's see if she comes home after college. <laughs> 
And that, that, that's going to be an interesting moment. If that were to happen, I think you and I would react differently. I think, just a prediction, mm-hmm. you're going to go back to that feeling of being needed. That was our point right before the break. Right. Is that you, you get addicted to this feeling, that's who I am, I'm her mom, and you're going to say, y'all come. Yeah. Your room is yours again. And I'm going to be like, oh, no, you don't. Why don't you rent an apartment and get a job? Well, because that would be the logical thing to say. But yes, I'm, I'm guessing I would want to say, oh, honey, I'm sorry. It's been tough. Just come on and stay with us for a while. Yeah. Yeah, that would be my How instinct. How long is You're a right. while, by the way? I don't know. That would be tough. A while is like six weeks. Well, as we discussed earlier, we've intentionally raised our children to be independent. So I don't think that she wants that scenario to happen anywhere near no uh, she, i would have been mortified I, de- I determined when i left home at about you know 17 same age natalie was when she went mm-hmm. that i was not coming back mm-hmm. i was going to make it because my father was an immigrant and he made it mm-hmm. you know we went to the other side of the planet at 18 and i'm gonna make it mm-hmm. i am not coming home so we talked for the first the first observation i've had watching this situation unfold in our home is that you tend to i think have more of this fear that you're no longer needed. I like getting a phone call and giving advice, Mm -hmm. but I don't know that I'm addicted to the nurturing phase of life. Mm -hmm. That's something I have had to adjust to. Absolutely. Because I, and not all women are the same, so it is a generality. Yeah, we're speaking in generalities. Absolutely. If you find this show sexist, it's because my wife wrote it. (laughs) I didn't. You wrote your part. You're such a sexist. (laughs) (laughs) But no, and I'm, I very much fall into the category of wanting to nurture and care yep. for my family. That includes you. And so... Oh, that, good. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yes, I have had to, you know, channel how that nurturing instinct comes to me and put it in different ways, you know, without driving you crazy around the house. But, yeah. Don't yeah, baby me. Don't switch to me now. Exactly. Right. No, I haven't. Clean up noticed. around me. And yeah. <laughs> okay. Here's one that's more relatable for guys, I think. I think. And these are observations. You brought science last week and I'm bringing anecdotal observations. You may. It's all you, good. You, oh, you did much better work than me. But here, mm-hmm. number two, number two. And I think this is more relatable for men. There's a fear when your kid goes that they're not going to make it. Mm. And this is what I was saying before the break, is that we kind of have this instinct, push them out of the nest. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's a guy instinct. Guys, if you're wrong, you know, write us, let us know. But um, we have this, like, make it. I want you to be a successful adult. Um, and it, I don't think it's unlike the fear that parents have when you have a newborn baby. Is the baby going to thrive? What's wrong with the baby? Is the baby going to live? Remember how... Oh remember, my. yeah. It's do you terrifying. remember how worried you are when you have your first baby? Yes. Oh, is it going to thrive? Is it going to make it? Did I do it right? Did I tuck it in with exactly the right number of blankets and the right kind of jammies? And then by the time you have your second kid, it's like, yeah, it'll make it. She'll, she'll be fine. <laughs> it'll <laughs> make I it. Know. I know. Just turn the baby so loose. Different. <laughs> it is so <laughs> different. That baby will make it. Yeah. I think it's like that though. Um, and so now there's this this concern, this fear even. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's my daughter on the other side of the country, mm-hmm. and it's kind of an exhilarating fear. Uh, as I'm watching her take her first steps in the big bad world. Mm -hmm. The fear part is I know what can go wrong. Right. Right. I know what can go wrong. Um, But it's exhilarating at the same time because I know what can go right. And so you're watching your child make decisions about college, 
Yeah. Now, our daughter picked a college major all by herself. She did. And she switched her major. And she switched her major right. all by herself. And I wrote her a letter when she turned 18. You right. are now legally an adult. Our role, our relationship is about to change. I am no longer going to micromanage your life. You're on your own. Mm -hmm. You make your own decisions, and you can always phone me for advice, but your life belongs to you. And I bought her a keychain and a key that was a symbol of here's the key to your life. Oh, and she loved that. What a great, great thing that was. I love well, that you did that I don't that know if it was her. great or not, but um, so uh, there she is. And you know what's happened? Uh, I think because we took that step. She actually calls for advice, mm -hmm. calls for advice about boys, calls for advice <laughs> about academia, calls mm -hmm. for advice about because I made it clear that there's been a shift in the relationship. So I'm watching. I'm proud as all get out that she's making it, right? Yeah. What's it going to be like when she goes and rents an apartment for the first time? Is the landlord going to be honest? Is he going to be dishonest? What's that going to be like? It's tough, isn't it? And we all had to negotiate that, so I'm watching that. So that's number two. Oh, and they have to choose a spouse all by themselves. That's scary. all by themselves. Do not bring home the wrong boy. That's right. all I could. That's my advice. Don't bring home the wrong boy. You know, that is an area where I don't know. As a Christian mom, I have prayed for whoever my daughters will marry in the future since they were little. Yeah. And um, that's I different because I scan the crowd wondering which one of these guys. <laughs> right. Who's it going to be? Am I going to, you know, because I'm going to die before that marriage is over. That's for the Probably. rest of my life. This guy is Probably. for the rest of my natural life. I'm going to be stuck with him. You hope so. That's the way it should be. Absolutely. You want her to choose someone who she's going to be with for the rest of your natural life. Yeah. But so I've prayed for, you know, and I have Christian friends that do this. And over the years, I've, I've struggled with that. So what's my role? Do I? Because it's not my choice. It's nope. not our choice. It's, it's not your choice. choice. It's her life. And so really now that this looming choosing a spouse now that she our oldest is in college that's more real what i've started doing is praying for her and that she will pray for him and that she will make the right choice so i've tried to detach myself from that process right. a little bit it's and it's a it's another way of letting go right mm -hmm. number two then is the fear that guys have of my kids going to make it i'm just talking from a guy's perspective i'm sure mothers have the same i you know the same worry but for me i've been pushing toward this moment when i push them out of the nest to see if they can fly mm -hmm. and for me that's when parenting has been successful when she makes great decisions and so far praise the lord our Excellent. kids are making great decisions Excellent. they're independent and more than anything they love jesus and that to me wow. means the world i'm watching them yes love Jesus in ways that I didn't at that age. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that's that's a God thing. Yeah. It is a God thing. And one of the benefits of raising children, you know, by the Bible. Yeah, that's the ultimate goal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, number three. Number three. I feel like there should be a drum roll. We need like a drum roll track back there. And so every time I come up with my number, you know, uh, I see roll, them. Please. Yeah, I saw, I saw somebody air drum and do a cymbal smash. <laughs> in the, I couldn't hear that. That's pointless, guys. All right, <laughs> a number, for effort. A for effort. Number three. <laughs> I think for some people, um, there's probably a fear when your kids leave home that maybe you didn't do a good enough job. Oh, you know. It did. Was I yes. a thorough enough parent? Maybe yeah. I missed some stuff, right? Do you have regrets? Do you have lost opportunities? Maybe you look back and you're not proud of a few moments. Well... I, we all have those. I know I have plenty that I would redo oh, if I could. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I look plenty. back thinking, that went by really quickly, mm -hmm. and I messed up. I know exactly where I messed up. Mm -hmm. I know exactly where, you know, I punished a child who didn't do anything or dispensed horrible advice because I was impatient. 
uh, or just being impatient. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you leave, watch your, you watch your child leave home and you think to yourself, wait a minute, I wasn't done building that relationship. Right. And now the clock is finished. You know, at our, at our oldest daughter's high school graduation, that for some reason was the, I was proud of her and, and all those good things. But the predominant emotion I felt that weekend was, I don't have a chance to go back and do it again. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you've got a damaged relationship and now you're out of time to fix it. You know, those fears. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, during the teen years, as you pointed out last week, your kids start to pull away from you. And that's natural. That's a good thing. You need to cherish it as much as, well, as much as it'll drive you around the bend because independence can manifest itself in some pretty um, trying ways. (laughs) Right. Some pretty trying ways. Mm -hmm. So you already have this sense through the teen years. I'm losing my child. But that's a good thing. That's a good thing. You want them to be themselves. You don't want them to be a clone of you. And I've watched far too many parents, just to put it out there, far too many parents cling to that child and try to live their own youth again through the child and rob them of any decision making. Yes. That's not natural. Well, and and that process of differentiating, letting the child become who they are spiritually, all those things. It's it's tough for us. And so I think um, parents hesitate to let that happen because it's hard on the parent, not maybe realizing how important that is for our kids. They can't be fully mature adults until they go through that process. So do you ever find yourself having to hold yourself back from jumping into your child's life and making the decision for them? Oh, yeah. A lot. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not healthy. I don't think that's healthy at all. As a matter of fact, I think starting early on, um, and we're not perfect parents. Please don't don't get this wrong. We're not trying to hold ourselves out there. I mean, I'm a perfect parent, but my wife, I mean, the things we could talk about. Oh, yeah. No, it's completely the the other way around. No, my (laughs) wife was the model parent. I'm the one with regrets on the way (laughs) to the end. We all have regrets. Yeah, yeah. But- to fight the urge to make your child's life yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your youth is over, parents. Mm-hmm. Right. Do not try to live it again through your children. Don't plan their wedding for them. Don't decorate their house for them. Don't, don't do those things. It's their life. And I think we started allowing our children to make some decisions. We would lay out the consequences. Look, you can choose here, and even mm-hmm. starting at 12 or 13. You can choose here. I'm going to let you make the choice. Here are the consequences. As a parent, I'm here to inform you that this is what's going to happen if you do this, and here's what's going to happen if you do that, mm-hmm. and let them make the choice and live with the consequences. That's not unhealthy. But particularly when they go, we do struggle. Is it done? Is it done? Did I do a good enough job? Are they ready right. to go? Am I done building? Because the relationship does change when they leave home. Am Changes. I done building that relationship? Are we close enough? Was I a good dad? Yeah. yeah. Are they going to remember me as a good dad when I'm laying in my casket? Or or yes. Or is the eulogy going to tell the truth? <laughs> Bit of both. <laughs> do you ever live in fear? Of what, what are my kids going to say when I'm dead? Well, they'll have lots of material to draw. Sure, yeah, do you remember that time, Dad? <laughs> For both of yeah. us. I, I yeah. think there's going to be a lot of discussions when I'm gone. Well, I think Jesus might come first. Mm-hmm. Let's hope so. But I, I think so. if he doesn't come in my lifetime, I think there's going to be a lot of discussions that start with, hey, do you remember where that, that, that time that Dad, and then everybody laughs. Yes. And I'll be There'll dead, be a lot so of that. the Bible says the dead know nothing, so it's a good thing. I won't know, <laughs> I won't know that they're mocking me. No, but they'll have. They'll have wonderful memories, wonderful memories. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Number four. Oh, this one's too big, maybe. We do, I see that we're like down to a minute 30 before the next break because, again, again, we're so chatty. We, we're uh, yeah. we're so chatty. You're chattier than me. 
No, not even, not even close. close. Yeah. But Sean, just just tease out what we're going to talk about because well, this is important. I'm going to move into marriage next. So, uh, if you're a parent with little ones, three and four years old, have faith. The moment's going to come where you can focus on each other exclusively again. Uh, but I want you to prepare for that moment and think about it over the next, you know, 10, 15, or 18 years as you move toward the moment when your kids leave home. So what we're going to talk about is marriage and how that changes a little bit when your kids go. Mm-hmm. Um, because as I've observed, there's some adjustment that needs to be made. Even though we did make an intellectual, a mental commitment to live toward that moment, the reality is is that you can't always live up to your intellectual commitment, and you still face a challenge when that moment comes. So here's what we're discussing today. What happens when your kids leave home? And we're speaking from the perspective of a Christian father and Christian mother who have made a lot of mistakes along the way and hopefully learned some things along the way. And, um, and I think that we'll also see that uh, parenting is this is a school for heaven and a school where we can learn to understand our heavenly father a little bit better god puts us in this situation where we can start to relate to what his day-to-day experience must be like Mm. my name is sean i'm with my wife jean we're hosting a program called disclosure from the voice of prophecy radio network we'll be right back Evolution. Where did the world come from? Where did you come from? Were you created in an instant? Did you evolve from another animal or life species? These are issues that are discussed in classrooms, textbooks, and sometimes around your break table at work when the conversation suddenly turns serious. These kinds of questions are answered in our free Discover Bible Guides. These 26 beautifully illustrated guides cover all the major themes of the Bible, and they answer some of the hardest questions of life. You can get your free copy just for the asking by contacting me. Go to VOP.com and click on the tab that says Study. That's VOP.com, the tab that says Study, or 888-456-7933. That's 888-456-7933 for your free Discover Bible Guides, available just for the asking. And the sound of that music means that I think we've moved into segment three. Is this our third segment? This is. It's our third segment. Second I see them signaling the me from the booth. Sean, you moron. Can't you count? Yes, it's three. <laughs> I, I, I stomp my foot three times, and so it must be three. Must be three. Yeah. We're talking about what happens when your kids Flee the coop, Flo- yes. fly the coop, the flee the coop. Chickadees fly away. Yeah, when they fly <laughs> away, mm-hmm. um, and the difference maybe uh, uh, in how men and women relate to that moment. Some of the struggles people feel. There is grief. We're really talking about a first world problem, mind you. You know, <laughs> very true. In, in the rest yeah. of the world, where people are struggling with, you know, can I feed my kids? And when your kid moves out, <laughs> maybe that's a good thing. Starts a little wow. farming, but but but. Let's talk about the reality of it, because I think there's all, there are always lessons. God gave us family to learn about what he's like. Yes. Right? Definitely. He describes himself as a father mm-hmm. and, and so on. So I've pointed out a number of things. I only have five on my list. So the first thing that parents struggle with is the fear that maybe you're no longer needed. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. And you become addicted to the feeling of being needed every day. And I think that was more true for you than it was for me. Yeah, I think so. Right? I, w- I, w- I was the more hands-on parent. In the, in the tr- <laughs> That's a nice way of saying well, I didn't do anything. No, 
I spanked him Traditionally. I spanked him and stuck him in the corner and yelled at him. No, you did a whole lot more than that. You were the fun parent. I was the one who had to do yes, the day-to-day. Yes, and I claim that in behalf of all fathers. Clean up your dishes. Your job, your job is to change their diapers and feed them and clean up the mess of Cheerios on the kitchen floor and discipline them. And then when dad comes home, all the rules are out the window because that's a dad's job. Hey, let's go play with power tools. I know you're only four, but that seems like fun. (laughs) No, no. You don't know about that. Uh, No. Is there something I need to know? Uh, Our children may or may not have known how to use a skill saw at the age of four. You didn't. Oh yeah. You didn't. Oh yeah. And a drill. Oh, Sean. And I have to explain, we don't tell mommy about this and we only do it in the garage. Hmm. I don't like that. I'm <laughs> glad I didn't know. They were wearing goggles. It was good. Oh, it was good. <laughs> wow. Wearing... Oh, no, fun parent is right. You know, I put them up on a six foot fence and let them walk along the edge on the top. And... Oh, my. Because you haven't had a childhood till you break an arm. Yeah. Well, that's probably a guy. For some... I, see, I see the guys in the booth smiling. They're, I'm right. Yeah. Well, they're all guys in there. A man's role is to recklessly <laughs> endanger his children and have them remember him fondly. Um, no, but daddy having fun is good. I let them drive the car on a real road at the age of eight. Yeah, so I've been told. (laughs) I knew about that one. I got in trouble for that. I'm not advocating breaking the law, folks. I just, that's wrong. It was really, really wrong. But yes, they did drive the car on a real road at the age of eight, and it was thrilling. And until a neighbor said, does that child have a driver's license? And I'm thinking, what do you think? <laughs> it's <laughs> like, an eight-year-old. <laughs> it's an eight-year-old. No, she doesn't have a driver's license. <laughs> oh, dear. All right. Yes, I Where was the we? fun parent. Okay. Fear no longer needed. The, for guys, number two was the fear that maybe, you know, you're worried, you're watching your child, are they going to launch? And for right. me, uh, parenting has been all about the moment that they launch. Did I get them ready for the real world? Yeah. I think our children are ready for the real world. We didn't raise them in a glass house. We didn't raise them with no. rainbows and unicorns. No. It was a real existence, yeah. and we talked about everything. Well, and, and part of the real world is making mistakes and learning from them. Yep. You know, that's part of growing up, too. Yeah, and we were always moving towards, and we talked about the moment that they're going to go home. They're going to go away like it's a big deal. When you're independent, yeah. my job as a parent is to raise you and make you independent and make you succeed as a godly woman in this world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's this little tinge of fear they're going to make it. What's going to be like when my daughter... Uh, gets her first job. Is the boss going to be a jerk or? Is she going to miss deadlines? All those things. Yeah. But you just reminded me of something. When our girls were little and they couldn't quite understand, you know, the rules and and the why behind the rules, I would always say to them, well, honey, you know, it's my job as your mom to make you be a nice Christian lady. And so I said that to them all the time when they were little. And so now that our oldest is a and nice Christian 18 year old adult I tell her all the time I'm so glad you grew up to be a nice Christian lady and she loves it it's oh. our little little joke I am yeah. thankful for that because you know, our kids love a, the Lord she, they are both spiritually independent yeah. young women and I'm proud of them okay my third point before that we're reviewing now and filling up <laughs> the back half of the show with review but my third point was the fear that maybe you ran out of time too quickly and you weren't thorough enough as a parent or you didn't finish building the relationship. Mm-hmm. And this before the break, I was getting to point number four, the issue of your marriage. Right. Right. So for 18, 20, 22 years, whatever that span is, depending on the age difference in your kids, it's been you, your spouse, and your children in the home. Mm-hmm. And even though you tell yourself at the beginning that um, at least we did, it was our principle. The kids are going to revolve around our marriage, not our marriage around the kids, because what's going to be there for the long run is the marriage. The kids are not going to be there for the long run, not inside your house. Mm -hmm. 
But still, there's a natural tendency. You, you, that was our rule, and I still think it's a godly and biblical rule. The children don't belong to you, and your marriage is going to be there past the moment the children leave home. Mm-hmm. The home, and I think studies bear it out. I didn't bring the studies with me. The studies bear out that it, it's healthier for kids to know the marriage comes first and the kids come second. Because often when the kids come first, we've watched that in the last generation and how that turned out. Mm-hmm. The kids think they come first all the time, that they deserve full attention. Um, putting your marriage first gives kids a sense of security, and it gives those kids a sense that they're not the most important thing in the world. There are things that supersede, you know, attention on them. Right. And and you're modeling for them what they can choose when, when they get married. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So there's still a natural tendency, though. Oh, there is. Right. You tell yourself yeah. that, but life gets busy and your kids become the center of your universe, as you admitted last week. Did I? Yeah. I they're your first priority. <laughs> And I am your eighth priority. No, after, you're not. Oh, yeah. You're I mean, right eight, up there yeah. with the kids. I'm right up there with the kids yeah. because I'm really, most men really are the extra child. <laughs> I didn't say that. No. No. Is it not true? Uh, in some ways, Like yeah. I don't being like, I don't like being mothered some days, but other days, like especially this cold that I've had. Yeah. Oh, my. You need to be mothered oh, when I, you have no, a cold. Oh, no. And this first cold I've had in 10, ten years. I know. 10 years. I know. But I expect mothering then. Yeah. Like where's yeah, my soup? Where is my medicine suit? and drinks and blankets? Yeah. And, and I got to say, I'm going to give you, yeah, I'm going to give you a six out of ten on this one on this last cold. What do you mean? A six out of ten on mothering me. Really? Yeah, <laughs> six a six out, out of ten. ten. <laughs> you get a solid, maybe a six point five. Okay. But but it wasn't your. You also had a cold. Yeah. And nobody was mothering you. <laughs> That's right. Where's my? We suit? don't get mothered no. when we have colds. Right. So no. your marriage tends to drift towards revolving around your children, and then they're gone. Well, it's just that, yeah, they're so, so needy. When they're a little tiny, yep. they're so needy. And then when they get older, they're so schedule needy. And so it's what, the way it is. what happens in that vacuum when right, they're gone? Right. Suddenly, for the first time in maybe two decades, right. it's just you and your spouse. Right. Yeah. And you're alone together for the first time in years. Well, and, and Sean, I referenced a book by doctors um, Jack and Judy Balswick in our last program called The Family. It's a Christian perspective on the family. And they really show with various studies, the marriages that survive this transition time are the ones where the couple, in spite of the busyness of life, earlier on, intentionally made time for each other. And, and made time to bring soup to their ailing husband. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But no, that the made time to have things that they talked about besides the kids, to nurture the marriage relationship. Because when you've nurtured it throughout the years as best you can in the midst of all the busyness, then it's stronger and it can adapt in this right. transition time much or, better. Or you get this much moment better. when the kids leave and you look at each other and say, what do we have in common? Right. What do we have in common? Because you was haven't the, nurtured it. Was the kids, were the kids, was the kids, <laughs> <laughs> I speak Canadian English, <laughs> were the kids, were the kids, oh, don't complain, Canadians, please don't write complaint letters. I was just kidding. Um, <laughs> if the kids were the only thing you had in common, what are you going to talk about? Right, right. Right. And if it's if it's been all about your kids this whole time and not your marriage, uh, you're going to have some rebuilding to do. Mm-hmm. And so I like what you said. Mm-hmm. Keep that in mind now, parents. Right. Because one day it's just the two of you again. Mm-hmm. And I like that. It's kind of like our newlywed phase again. Yeah, I'm rediscovering it's you. It's 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 yeah. fun. I like the fact that we um, can just eat what we like to eat kind of randomly that's right kids now that you've left we eat at the coffee table watching the news (laughs) that's right do that yeah and so (laughs) 
I think all parents quietly do that. When their kids leave, all the rules are out the window. Yeah, it's kind of like reverting back yeah. to Sit there in her underwear watching TV days. and eating. <laughs> I'm not sitting in my underwear watching TV and eating. You I may or may yourself. not be sitting in my underwear watching TV. All right. Oh, dear. All right. Number five. Number five. We've got to get this one in before the break because we've got to get to the Bible study. There's the realization, I think this one's tough too, maybe, of what it means if your kids have left home. The next phase of your life is grandpa. Right. And after that, dead. Yeah. Right? It, it's like there's no denying yeah. it. I'm moving into the final phases of my life. I don't think that bothers me so much because I've always, from the age of eight, looked forward to being 50. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm you in have. that, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I've have. always wanted to be 50. I just don't want to get any further than that. You know? Right. Um, but you've officially moved out of the youth department. Mm-hmm. Your youth is gone. Mm-hmm. I mean, if your kids have left home, their youth is ending. And that means yours is gone. Yeah, it's it's again, it's that it's that part and parcel of what we're going through as we right. transition in midlife. Um, that's the reality. See, we're on the second half. Now I've at got least. I've got faith in Christ. I believe in the resurrection of the dead. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead, and so mortality. And I've had a brush with death in the last ten years. I mean, mm-hmm. I really thought I was going to punch the clock almost a decade ago. And so I've really come to terms with that. The next time around, I don't know if it'll be easier or not, but I think it will be easier. But I'm watching these milestones go by in my life. And so milestone, finish school, great. Go to college, another milestone. Get married, another milestone. Have kids, another milestone. Kids leave home, another milestone. And you look down the road, there's not that many milestones Retirement left. Well, there are more, you know, kidney mm-hmm. stones, gallbladder issues, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. going blind, cataract surgery. Yeah, uh, lots of fun ahead. At least not male pattern baldness yet for me. My brother... Oh, did I just say that on the air? Yeah, you, 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 you lost yours and I got mine. <laughs> <laughs> so careful what you say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yours is going to hit you at fifty. No, now. it's starting to go. It's actually starting to go. It's getting pretty thin. And oh, I notice when they turn. No, when not. they turn the lights on in the studio, there's some shine in here. Oh, so you have nothing to complain about. You have great hair. Pretty good. Pretty good. Yes. that's all I got going for me. But all these milestones, and when your kids leave home, next step mortuary, right. The next milestone. You're a ray of sunshine. Yeah, aren't the you? next step is a tag on my toe. No, I can't wait to have grandkids, though. You know, I like to knit. Oh, that's true. I already, I'm hopefully a long ways off from that, but I can't does wait that mean, to knit stuff for my grandkids. Does that mean that we'll be changing diapers that don't even, they're not even on our kids? Probably. And you won't even mind because you've made I will mind. I will mind. I, I didn't like it the first time. <laughs> we had an agreement going into the child, childhood years. I will do certain diapers, mm-hmm. uh, but not others. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, most, <laughs> mostly that worked for you. Not I'm trying completely. to keep this as family radio. I'm trying to keep this nice. But there is that realization. Oh, my goodness. I've moved. Now, I'm, I am relishing moving into that stage. I am too. For, for a I, guy I moving uh, into your 50s and 60s, you kind of move into what I call a senatorial phase of life. You've kind professorial of professorial, professorial, yes. senatorial. Yes. I moved into, all right, I built my little kingdom and now I'm going to enjoy it. That's but right. there is the realization, my kids have left home. Um, and maybe I'm wrestling with the same thing you mentioned. Like, what am I now? Mm-hmm. I'm an old dude. I'm no longer a member of the youth group. When I show up to a youth group, they think I'm a guest speaker. Yeah, yeah <laughs> Because that's, that's really the only reason I show up at a youth group yeah. as the guest speaker. That's so funny. there are my five. Okay. The fear Good. that you're no longer needed. Fear whether or not your child is going to make it. Uh, Maybe you weren't a good parent. 
and you wasted your time, the issue of being alone with your spouse again, and the realization that you've moved through another phase of life and you're running out of phases. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about a few suggestions for coping with it. I've written down 19. There's no way in 13 minutes we're going to get through 19 of them, but we'll get a flying start at it and look at biblical advice, things that you can do to ease yourself through that transition. We've talked about a few of those already, like prepare for it now because it's coming and think toward that moment and look at it as an accomplishment. But when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about things you can do to ease the transition to grief. We'll be right back. Are you searching for answers to life's toughest questions like, where is God when we suffer? Can I find real happiness? Or is there any hope for our chaotic world? The Discover Bible Guides will help you find the answers you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or give us a call at 888-456-7933 for your free Discover Bible Guides. Study online on our secure website or have the free guides mailed right to your home. There is never a cost or obligation. The Discover Bible Guides are our free gift to you. Find answers and guides like, Does My Life Really Matter to God? and A Second Chance at Life. You'll find answers to the things that matter most to you in each of the 26 Discover Bible Guides. Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions. And here we are for the final segment. And uh, talking about me moving into the final phases of life during the break. And it's like, you've already got my funeral plan, don't you, Jean? No, I Have don't. Have you got, like, I went down the basement. There was a casket down there. Oh, Why? That's Why morbid. would you pick out a casket now? I didn't. Uh. You're morbid. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in the old country, though, that's what they did. When you got to that final phase of life, I knew relatives. They bought a casket, kept it in their house. They picked yeah. it or built it. Themselves. I was just going to say people would build their own. They build it themselves yeah. and then sort of put it on edge in the living room and put books in it for now. Wow. It's kind of more practical, isn't it? Very practical. Yeah. I think we were less afraid of death at one point, or maybe just as afraid, but we were more open about it. We yeah. didn't sanitize it. All sure. right. We got to get to suggestions for coping with your children leaving home. And I've written down a bunch of those. Okay. Like 19 or 20 of them. So are you ready for my suggestions? I'm ready. Let's All right. Go. Suggestion number one. Trust God with your child. This is a faith exercise. You've got to understand that that child was never actually your child. Mm. The child didn't belong to you. It was a gift from God. Psalm 127, verse 3. Behold, children are a heritage or a gift, it says, from the Lord in some versions. Psalm 127, verse 3. Behold, children are a gift from the Lord. The fruit of the womb womb is a reward. Mm. God says, I am trusting you to take care of this child for me. We need to have that mentality and start with that mentality. This child is on loan to me from God. This is for my benefit. I'm going to learn something about what God's universe must be like. I'm going to learn something about the nature of a heavenly father. Um, I'm going to learn about, you know, the relationship maybe that the Godhead has when we experience something not identical, but similar in our family. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're going to learn freedom of choice and those kinds of things. Trust that the child was on loan to you from God and you're giving it back to God. That child's not alone in the world. You've given him back or her back to his or her heavenly father. I like that. That's a faith exercise. 1B. I actually have 21 points. I'm cheating. (laughs) 
Make a study of the life of Jesus. Here's something I found fascinating as I was thinking about this. Jesus had a perfectly human experience. He knew what it was like to be rejected, to be mocked, to be hungry, to be tired, to be happy. He, he, he experienced the entire gamut of human relationships, which is why the Bible says he's fit to be our helper. Right. Right? He understands the life that we have to live. And just like every other child, Jesus had to grow up and move on to what his life was about apart from his own family. Mm -hmm. First example, we have him in the temple. He's left his parents behind. He's in the temple at the age of 12 discussing with the teachers in the temple. But another example in Matthew 12, um, Jesus' family shows up. His brothers and sisters show up, and they're calling for him. And someone comes inside where Jesus is and says, tell Jesus his brothers and sisters are waiting outside. And they're expecting him to stay in the old role as a sibling. And depending on which version of Joseph and Mary's story you, you accept, Jesus may actually be the youngest sibling. I know there's a variety of opinions on that. Some say he was the oldest. Some say he was the only. I don't believe he was the only because the Bible mentions siblings mentions by brothers. name. Right. Mm -hmm. But Jesus actually has to assert his own role. He points to the crowd around him and says, these are my brothers and sisters now. He's moved past being a child at home to fulfilling the destiny that was his in this world. Right. Um, he moved on to his purpose. And we've got to remember, you can read that story in Matthew chapter 12. Um, he said, who's my mother and who are my brothers? And he points to the whole group and his disciples and said, these are my brothers now and my sisters and my mother. Mm -hmm. uh, we have to remember our children are here to move on to their God-given purpose. You fulfilled your role as a parent to get them ready for the moment where they step into the role that God has for them. Yeah. You're giving them yeah. back to God. Yeah, and, and remembering that as much as we love them and care about them, he loves them even more. He does. He does. Yeah. Yeah. It's not easy, but I think no, that's a good not. faith exercise. It's not easy. Number, well, it's really three, but we'll call it two because I cheated. Okay. Okay. Remember your own departure from home. I was thinking mm. about this one. Remember how exhilarating it was when you left home? I mean, you left home, ran from your parents' arms into mine. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I pretty uh, much did. Yeah. yeah. But having, having that independent life that you choose for yourself, right. it is exhilarating. It is exhilarating. Mm -hmm. I'm on my own. And, and at that stage of your life, everything's exciting. You could be living in the worst dump in the ghetto, right? You could be living in this apartment that homeless people would reject. And you would think <laughs> it was a palace because it's yours. Oh, yeah. Our it's first, yours. Our first apartment, we had... Nothing. Uh, my, and, and it was wonderful. Oh, no, we loved it. We had hand-me-down couches and hand-me-down yeah. tables. And it and was some bookshelf yeah, we it, found in it was a We wouldn't a live in it now. I bet you we would go back and say, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, you know, oh, I bet definitely. we would. And yeah. that, that, that's too bad because we were happy. We were. But I think we need to practice that for our own children. That's Celebrate right. it for them. Be happy for their launch. And be happy for them because right now, this particular stage, when they first leave home, mm -hmm. that's the freest they're ever going to be. Right. Right? And be happy for they're them. They're at college. They're yeah. finding a spouse. They're doing all those fun things. They don't have a mortgage. They don't have kids. Celebrate it for them. Yep. Right? I okay. agree. Number three, seize new opportunities. So you're no longer a caregiver. Mm -hmm. um, and I know you identified with that. That's what you were struggling with. Mm -hmm. I'm not their primary caregiver anymore. So maybe go back and reclaim what you were before the kids came into the picture. Mm -hmm. And God willing, you still have a lot of productive years ahead of you. I hope you're around for a long, long, long time yet. Uh, so claim, you know, what did you always want to be? Because now you suddenly have time maybe to be that. Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't it's know. A, it's, it's, a, it's a chance to revisit and, and make choices Pardon? for the next 20-ish years of your working life. Yeah, it's easy yeah. to say. I, I get that. These things that I'm saying are easy to say and harder to absorb, but I think that one would be helpful for me. Definitely. What was I before they came around? Yeah. Because yeah. I was somebody and I was happy back then. Mm -hmm. and I think allowing yourself the freedom to just work through that 
and yeah. actually just think it through, sit down and think about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Number four, celebrate your freedom. You celebrate theirs, celebrate yours, enjoy it, revel in it, right? Take that extra time that shows up because now you don't have to run to volleyball practice and you don't have to run to band practice. <laughs> and suddenly there's a free hour in the week that used to be consumed every single week with driving somewhere or doing something. Take it back and maybe in the beginning as a one-hour holiday that you get every week. Mm. What do you think of that one? Yeah. yeah I, I haven't good. been very good at that one. I need to try that no, one. No, take that hour, roll around in it. <laughs> my, my, it. my tendency has been, and it hasn't really been a good tendency, has been to fill all those gaps and invent things to fill them. And that I've, I've come to realize that's not always the healthiest. I like your suggestion. I'm going to try that. Yeah. Yeah. Good. See, Good. I can fix everything. That's a man's role is to <laughs> fix you. Can. Yeah. Good. 4B. I'm cheating again. 4B. Celebrate what God's doing in your child's life. Mm -hmm. I think we sort of Definitely. said that. But here's Psalm 40. I guess I really already said this. Celebrate it. But Psalm 40, verse 5. Many, O Lord my God, are your wonderful works which you have done. I would take that verse, Psalm 40, verse 5, many, O mo Lord my God, are your wonderful works which you have done. And look at your child as one of those things. Mm, many like are your wonderful works which you have done. I didn't know what I was doing when I became a parent, no, but look no, what you've done with my do. child, Lord. You've yeah. been faithful to your promises. Amen. Number five, be thankful your child is making it. Yeah. Right? I remember having to take Natalie to Toronto Sick Kids when she was two. Too. Yeah, she was younger than that. Yeah, and yeah. she was sick when she was a baby, and I was feeling sorry for her because she was so sick, and I'm feeling sorry for us as parents. Oh, woe is us! And then we got down to Toronto Sick Kids and mm. saw what really sick looks like. Oh yeah, kids, right? kids with, ish, you know, yeah. really serious, serious. People had bigger problems issues. than that. Yeah. So if your child is out there making it, be thankful for it because some kids aren't making it. That's right. And if 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 your kid isn't making it, I don't take that. Uh, you know, don't take that the wrong way. We will be in prayer for you as well. Absolutely. Um, but yeah. yeah. Number six, in that same vein, share your freedom with a family that doesn't have it. What if there's a family around you, they have no time, they're frazzled, mm -hmm. and you suddenly have that extra hour. Hey, maybe I could watch your kids for, for an hour while you go grocery shopping. Maybe take that time and help a family through their busy phase of life. I, like I don't know. That, I know you would like it and I don't like it. It's like, <laughs> oh, I'm free. Why would I do that? But, but you know, you, you realize at this end of the process... What a gift that is to a young family. Yeah. And to be able to share that, that's a wonderful suggestion. Number seven, in the same vein, volunteer. Go find someone else who needs your help. Maybe it's not a parent with young kids, but maybe there's a charity in town that needs mm -hmm. your help, a soup mm -hmm. kitchen, a sponsor child, evangelism, give a Bible study to somebody. Uh, take that caregiving instinct and redirect it into something new. Great. Okay. Number eight, find new ways to connect with your child. Redefine the relationship. They're an independent adult now and reconnect with your child and embrace them as adults. I like that now. That's been fun. My last visit um, with Natalie at college, we our conversation was different. And it was it's just the first baby steps towards our adult right. relationship. I love it. So when your kids are little and love at home, it. you are not their friend. And I, no, I wish all Christian parents would come to terms with that. You are not your child's friend. You're their mm -hmm. parent, and it's mm -hmm. a different role. But once they're out on their own, maybe there's a little latitude to become friends. Oh, yeah. I love that. I'm enjoying that. Okay. Number nine, reclaim your marriage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, 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 was, it was enough. Your marriage was enough to bring you joy uh, before you expanded that to include children. Right. Take it back. Become newlyweds again. Go on dates. Yeah. Flirt. I like flirting with you. Oh, you've always been a flirt. You've never stopped yeah, flirting. <laughs> I know. I know. It worked. You're still here. I'm still here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it I'm does work. 
right? Get to know each other all over again. We played a game the other night where you find a, there are websites oh, yeah. that have get to know you questions. Yeah. Play the Now, after 25 years, we knew all the answers for each other, but it was still a lot of fun. Not 100%. We learned a couple things about each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. That was fun. All right. Number 10, spend time building a new brand. Uh, you've mentioned this one. Build a brand new prayer life specifically around your child. Yeah. Right mm-hmm. here, I'm going to go to the Bible on this one. I know we only have three minutes left. We'll never get through my 20 points. Colossians 1, verse 9. Take this and build a prayer life on these principles. Paul writes to the Colossians, So from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Take time and pray for that for your child. Mm-hmm. So like as it. to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Your direct role in inculcating that is finished, but you can start praying for that for your child and watch the results. Beautiful. Uh, Claim God's promises for a child. Proverbs 22. Maybe your child's not doing all that well spiritually right now, but claim God's promise in Proverbs 22. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. Oh, there's truth to that. Mm -hmm. Now that I'm getting older, I find myself drifting back to what was important at the beginning of my life. No, I sound like I'm getting really old, but <laughs> but I'm drawn back to my culture. I, yeah. I'm fascinated with the Netherlands, where my family comes from. I'm taking Dutch lessons again to sort of brush up on the language. Uh, you actually become your parents. That's what happens. And, yeah. Whether uh, we want it or not, it does happen. <laughs> but what was put in your heart as a child comes back to you later in life and stand on that promise. If your child is out there and maybe not doing the things you hoped, right. right? you're no longer their direct caregiver, but you can start claiming the promises of God and they work. Yes. They work. Yes, Sometimes it takes a while, but they work. Mm-hmm. Uh, number 11, some people actually grieve the departure of their children. So I say, go ahead and grieve. I like what Mike Tucker from Lifestyle Magazine said when he was on the show recently because he lost his wife, Gail, and he said mm-hmm. this to me. I leaned into the pain. I went to the places we used to go together right away and lived through the pain and got through the pain, and it was better to face it up front. So mm-hmm. go to the places you went with your child in the past. That's good. By yourself. Okay. And reclaim it as yours, okay. but lean into the pain. So don't try to avoid the pain. Just yeah. let it happen nope. and go nope. through it. You're not going to like this one. Number, th- I think this is 13. I'm jumping down the list because there's a minute to go. Convert your child's room into a guest room. Okay, not happening yet. No, okay, but it's kind of, you know. <laughs> Eventually, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I knew you were going to shoot that one down. But, Sorry. you know, become an entertainer instead. Entertain people in okay. that room. I, I hear you. Make hear new you. friends. Yeah. I don't like making new friends. I don't know why I put that on the list. <laughs> But you like making new friends. I like making yeah. new friends. So there's one for me. Travel more. Mm, right. Embrace that that flexibility yeah. of schedule. Broaden your devotional life. You've got the time and space. Learn from the experience. God calls us his children. Ask yourself the question in your morning devotional walk. What does it feel like when we leave God? Mm. Because our children were supposed to leave and we weren't. So mm. what's the difference there? There's a rich field for study. Uh, maybe if your own parents are alive, reconnect with them. Right? Reconnect nice. with them. They went through emptiness syndrome. Number 20. Here's the hard one. Get out of the way. That's always the hard Step one. aside. Let mm-hmm. your kids launch and let them make their mistakes and pray for them like a Christian parent should. Mm-hmm. I hear the music. You know what that means? We're, we're not only end. out of time to raise our children, we're out of time for this show. Oh, I end on a note that makes my wife tear up. That's just, that's Sean in the studio. Make my wife cry before the end of the show. We're out of time to raise our children and we're out of time for this show. 
We'll be back at the same time next week, though. And uh, as your children are growing in the Lord, stand on his promises, prepare for the day when they launch as young men and women who love Jesus and head out into the world to make a difference for the kingdom of God. My name is Sean Boonstra. You've been listening to Disclosure. My wife is Jean Boonstra, my wife of 25 long years. Thanks for joining us here at the Voice of Prophecy Radio Network. We'll be back in a week. God bless.